Welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Ed Piscor. I'm Jim Rugg. Got a great one for you guys today. We're going to going to talk uh, Shonen Jump, but first, we have a Patreon that you can support, and our King Kayfabers are watching us stream this recording session at this very moment, and they're also getting all of these videos well ahead of time uh, before Gen Pop, which mitigates the Kayfabe effect completely uh, for uh, those participants. Uh, but these videos are brought to you by the comic books that we make and uh on the stands right now got red room uh trigger warnings red room the anti-social network trade paperbacks we're ser we're uh, soliciting the next round of red room comics to your local shop red room crypto killers issue one and two are orderable from your local comic shops so make that happen there are four volumes of hip-hop family tree out there uh and it is celebrating its 10-year anniversary three volumes of x-men grand design and WYSIWYG uh is available from my bibliography out there in the wild Jim has Hulk Grand Design Treasury Edition. It's out there. Go to your comic shop. Scoop that stuff up immediately. Uh, he also has Street Angel Princess of Poverty forthcoming, but Street Angel Deadliest Girl Alive trade paperback. That's this one right here is uh, out there in your comic shops at this very moment. And uh, don't forget about Plain Jane's, his shoujo manga, which is very appropriate to mention because, like I said, we are talking Shonen Jump here today on uh, the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. Over 7 billion sold. Starting strong with that. Since 1968, Jim. Uh, you could find these things when you're out there in uh, in Tokyo. And it's my custom to grab a couple of them whenever I uh, am out there to sort of bring back. It's a very mystical comic to me. My, my pops worked in Korea. And somehow those, those uh, comics made their way to... Uh, Seoul, South Korea, whenever my dad was out there working. He brought me uh, some 1991 era uh, Shonen Jumps that had uh, Slam Dunk and uh, Dragon Ball Z and, 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 and JoJo. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure were like the, the three big ones because those titles were also in English. So, so I could like read like what the heck uh, it was called. But it was very mystical. Never heard of uh, like Shonen Jump. That's I didn't know the title of the thing. Um, it was my introduction to Dragon Ball Z and things like that. Uh, I had some idea that like the reading order was a different way than we're used to. Uh, so that was very interesting, but very mystical comics to me. Yeah, no doubt about it. And that's that age where like I would get hold of whatever weird comic book, magazine, whatever, and just read it to pieces. Yes. And, you know, you didn't have that much stuff. So if you get that at that age, it's just go through it, go through it, go through it. Totally. Try to decode it and understand it. I, I I would be curious. This is the greatest comic series of all time. Absolutely. And I don't think it's close. And I'd be curious, like, what kind of rebuttal anyone would have that would disagree with that. When you think of the list of books that have come out of this, characters, creators, and the numbers sold. Yeah. Like, I don't know what argument you could make for anything else. And I always think of this format and why no made an attempt at this format in the States. Sure. Sure. Even when they brought Shonen Jump to the States... And then there was Raijin Comics, uh, the first kind of like, it was a weekly, mm -hmm. and it was printed this the correct way. I think it might be one of the first comics. Like a sales point for me for Raijin Comics was the, like keeping faithful to the reading order. And I don't remember seeing that or hearing about that before then. Uh, but right after Raijin started, Viz put together show there's monthly shonen jump that was still thinner than this right you know it's maybe 120 page 150 pages maybe 200 uh but these these can approach 500 pages of material every week which is mind-blowing yeah totally about 20 20 features 
20, you know, 30 features in there. This is Captain Tsubaba, uh, which is a staple of, uh, of uh, Shonen Jump. But like I said, it started in 68. In the first three issues, uh, they, they licensed some American stuff. There was uh, two Alex Raymond pieces. There was Secret Agent Corrigan and uh, it might have been Secret Agent X-9. And then there was a Lee Falk, Mandrake the Magician. <laughs> uh, Boy, got, Lee Falk gets around. Got, got serialized, yeah. And everybody I talked to about that, that like sort of knew that, uh, they were like, yeah, we, we got rid of that quick because like, I mean, they t- there's no end to the shit talk that I heard about American comics from, from the Japanese. You look at this, and it's so apparent right away that this is a different language, and totally. I don't mean this. I yeah. mean the visuals. Like, yeah. I think I like how to draw Mar- comics the Marvel way where they're like, make it more dynamic. This is like a 12. Yes. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, every page feels like these covers where it is just fighting advertising, fighting the other features. Like, look at me, look at me, look at me. Every page. I'm not sure if this, like, I don't know if this is a subscriber thing. Uh, it looks like this could be an intact survey, mm. which, because you see all the titles right there. Yeah, and it's worth mentioning that to anybody that's Very unfamiliar important. with Shonen Jump, is that they have survey cards in every issue. And, like, if you're not one of the most popular features, then it's time for the next person to get their shot at it. Totally. And those editors are out there, man, working with upcoming cartoonists. Oh, dude, it's so hardcore. Yeah. And, you know, this is aimed at young male readers, even though they have a large readership of over 25-year-olds and a large readership of women. But this is boys' comics. And, and you see it. You see sports in the beginning of this issue, and now we see fighting. It, it really is mind-blowing. And, you know, the American version of this, if, if someone were to do it, I would think a Marvel or a DC would be the company to do it. And the compromise would be put out your month's books or your week's book or all the Batman books once a month or whatever, but you got to do it on this kind of, like, cheap production in order to do 500 pages for a price that, you know somebody that's not buying the individual comic books is willing to pay yeah at the height of the game shonen jump sold uh 6.5 million a week Mm. and that was in 1995 1996 man so like you often you'll hear the argument about uh well people aren't buying comics because there's so much other media and so much other material that uh they're buying dollars going towards and uh, yeah that may be true but uh japan gets all the rpgs first like all the best video games before you all the anime before you, a lot of distractions away from comics, but somehow in 1996, uh, this was still uh, selling, you know, at its biggest numbers than than ever. One of the first hits uh, for uh, Shonen Jump, and it's called Weekly Shonen Jump, by the way. Uh, only very few issues were called Shonen Jump. One of the uh, first hits was by a cartoonist named uh, Go Nagai, man. Want to hand me that Mazinger real quick, Jimmy? Mazinger Z was uh, one of the first standouts from uh, Shonen Jump. And this is a uh, first comics, mid-90s color job uh, from Go Nagai that uh, we got here in the States. And we did a video on this sometime back, man. Uh, you know, flipped to, to like our comfortable orientation. But you take a look through this, man. This is hard to argue with. Boys are going to be coming back uh, to, to check these comics out. Yeah, 100%. And I, I think it also reflects like what happens is a lot of us comics fans in America 
get to see some of these Japanese comics and you're hooked. Oh, absolutely. They're, they're so remarkable in so many ways. So, of course, you're thinking, like, let's bring this over to America. Yeah. We can sell some of this stuff. This stuff's magic for comics. Then the other, uh, this, this sort of second hit uh, for the Shonen Jump series came about from uh, Keiji Nakazawa. There was the uh, one shot called I Saw It, which is just going to be a one and done. And, and that's, that's what you would get in these issues of Shonen Jump. You have many series... But there are also many one shots within each volume, and sometimes, like, there's one of these that I bought that has uh, a Dragon Ball story or a Doctor Slump story, and a, a Kira Toriyama one shot mm. in there. So, so that month he put 70 pages. I mean, that week, excuse me, he put 70 pages of comics out there. Um, they would test the waters, like Fist of the North Star. It had a one shot. It was very different than a post-apocalyptic story that is most popular, but they have those reader feedback forms feedback comes in and it's like we have to explore this again we got to take this to the next level how can we mani manipulate it to make it a series that was the same deal with this which is the first manga to be translated into english it became a worldwide uh, phenomenon just based on its flat-out importance you know this comic is written and created by somebody who lived through the atomic bombing of his hometown and uh, is one of the first manga to come to the States. You notice that in the early 80s, there is no Comics Code Authority stamp on this thing. And uh, thusly, it did not get to be really distributed in schools. Uh, it wasn't on the newsstand. And the editors of Shonen Jump and Keiji Nakazawa really had uh, nothing positive to say about the American readership and the American comics market. And they and they said that uh, they flat out feel sorry for the Disneyfication uh, that mm. the children of America are growing up in, in these 1980s. Uh, so for all the- Boy, imagine their opinion today. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt, man. Uh, so this is, once, this is a precursor to Barefoot Gen, which is like the next round of hit manga that came from uh, Shonen Jump in the 70s, where it documents the atomic bomb blast of Hiroshima, but also falls, follows, like, look, that's pretty ghastly stuff, follows uh, Keiji's uh, career and how he becomes a, a mangaka and, and builds a career in, in comics. So it's 10-volume series, handles uh, the, the, the atomic bombing, happens in issue in volume one. You deal with the immediate ramifications for the next two or three volumes, but then it becomes, you know, like a... a biography of a mangaka making his first uh, one-shots and things like that you see and it's all kind of in this 45 60 page uh edition right there man in the 80s uh the pop stars started to to become a thing and, and once a year in a shonen jump magazine they would feature their uh mangaka in there as kind of like uh, teen idols that's so funny those covers yeah Got a couple of them, man. Like, uh, is that is that stormtrooper uh, outfits? <laughs> I don't know about that. Certainly looks like it's derivative of those. Yeah. Then you got your football players. I That's think really got funny one, too. One more of those. These football players, like their costumes, so funny. They have the little collar pad tied neatly, like a little bow in the front. <laughs> <laughs> I know Toriyama well, and uh, that is that is about it, man. I want this to be Bronson. 
I know, like me too, <laughs> me too. Like that's, uh, I feel like that that should be the way it is. But uh, it's fascinating going through this stuff. And you know, you and I, we 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 talk about it often. Where where um, we mentioned like how come there isn't you know the great hockey comic or the great tennis comic or something. And the truth is like you got to try. It. Like some you got to you got to sort of disabuse yourself of what you see being sold on the stands, and you have to make that comic. Like in the states, you would have to take a year or so to to create a comic about a guy playing golf put it out there and hope that you can find an audience the beauty of weekly shonen jump is that uh you can try a hockey comic out because you see that like mighty ducks is popular right now or something and uh leave it to the survey to let you know if this is something to continue to pursue uh, my my sweet spot is from 1980 to about 1991, and that's the stuff that I'm scooping up. This two-color stuff, to me, is just about as good-looking as, as comics can be. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's and they use airbrush, beautiful. too, you see? Yeah. Uh, I have early issues from the early 80s that have maybe two golf comics in the same one, or two tennis series. Yeah. There there was a volleyball comic. I don't know if it was a Shonen Jump comic, but it was translated, so like I read the first volume. Yeah. And the way they handle sports, because like I don't know anything about volleyball, let alone sure. care. They're explaining rules in there so that you understand the game as the reader, while also establishing relationships as well as like who the characters are that are going for that like samurai discipline of being the best. Yes. And it's all in there. And it's it doesn't feel expository, it doesn't feel boring, it doesn't it's super fast. Yeah. It's the the ability to do speed and dynamics in a sports story it's so paramount to make that sp- like cuz capturing a sport in a in a page is a challenge you know part of sports appeal is bodies flying around you know it's something that they've learned to do you know here's you know a what baseball I mean? joint like, look at this you can believe that ball is sailing man that dude is is swinging for the fences he got a whiffer though. Yeah, man. Yep, yep. <laughs> if he'd have hit it, it would have been gone. But... You, you noticed uh, you got newsprint, but blue ink. Mm-hmm. You got pink pages with black ink. You got blue pages with black ink. Uh, they're they're doing a lot of different stuff to keep the visual interest up, so that it doesn't just kind of fall away, it become white noise as you as you. And you have this variety through. of styles, like you know, a very cartoonish, almost chibi style next to very highly rendered more realistic kind of stuff realistic may not be the right word but the highly rendered kind of stuff like yeah. you flip through an issue of this and you are getting like a spectrum of styles in terms of cartooning wow that's amazing yeah tar chan uh if this is not tar chan it is certainly the artist who does it that that it's like the shit that that guy gets away with man with nut sacks and <laughs> actually tar if this is tar chan Tarchan flies, and he does it by doing the bat wings with his nutsack. Like, he pulls his ball skin and creates, like, a hang glider, and that's how he travels from one one place to the next. But this might not be the, the Tarchan comic. It definitely is the artist, though. You know, that's another one of those ingredients that, again, any one of these volumes you can flip through and get, and it's that far-out imagination. Totally. Like, imagine picking up an image comic, and the guy flies by stretching his nutsack. <laughs> you know what I mean? Every story... Um, does have the same tenets of and it's it's the stuff that uh that frederick schott mentioned in in manga manga where the character starts out at a low level and through perseverance and excellence uh, through perseverance and hard work achieves excellence and mastery every single story is that it's kind of joseph campbell 
sure. in that way. Every single one of these stories. There's not one of them that 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 isn't. And then think about what the big Shonen Jump hits are, and then you could see how it fits within those those uh, confines and things. You know, once again, I feel like this is a really different style that we haven't seen before. Yeah, absolutely. You can almost see the values of the artists, you know, in these hairstyles and clothing that doesn't show up in the previous story we were looking at. It is a pressure cooker. Uh, you're doing 16, 17 pages a week. Being um, judged harshly. That's the thing, man. Like, not only do you have those deadlines, but there are those surveys. So now you have that to worry about. But the editors in manga, I went to the editorial offices uh, of, of Shonen, Weekly Shonen Jump, and there it's almost like there is an editor per series. So you get a dedicated guy who is there 24-7 to help you out. That editor is not sleeping the same way that you're not sleeping, so you have to rise to the occasion. They will just hang out at your place. Like, if you, if you have to, if the deadline is 4 a.m. on a Thursday, like, they will do everything, they will be there at, at 2, 3 a.m. and do everything they can to deliver that strip in on time. Yeah, and you can see, we interviewed Felipe Smith, who did worked as a mangaka for a couple of years and he tells those stories about being up all night with his editor you know in the in the local coffee shop that was open all night just making those deadlines man and, and making the story the best it can be yeah and and and, and lots of people you know are manga fans out there they know that right like the seven, the seven day dead like gotta, gotta turn a comic in every week but when you parse that out and you think about what that is that is not drawing it's not 17 pages divided by seven days a week no it's like three days is spent on the writing portion with the editor who is a contributor of the work it's a very interesting dynamic because the editor is helping it along and is telling you the ingredients that are missing from the thing but what's interesting is he's not involved in the ownership of that series shoeisha does not own that series you the creator own that series and Shueisha, the company that prints, uh, publishes Shonen Jump, creates this vehicle for you to prosper in a giant way. And there are times where the mangas exceed the publication of, of the weekly Shonen Jump. Uh, it is a hit factory. It is a hit-making factory. And because it's such a pressure cooker and because so many people want to be a part of that, like, look at this. This is JoJo. I think it's only very recently that uh, JoJo got its own uh, sort of animes within the past five years or something. It's been going since about 87 and has over 100 volumes. Yeah, and, you know, they measure these things out in the billions of dollars, these top properties and what they've generated from their manga Absolutely. sales. Absolutely. Um, you know, take that home and think about it because, like, we talk about the Marvel movies as generating $2 billion or whatever. Yeah. Fist of the North Star is a couple of billion dollars it's generated from manga sales. Absolutely. From book, comic book sales. Yeah, it's Billions a, it's a, of it, dollars. Like, this this vehicle of Shonen Jump creates a platform for, on a weekly basis, these comics are a billboard for the Tankobon that will be coming out, and then uh, the inevitable anime series points to the comic... The toys point to the anime series, which points to the video game, which points back to the comic. The headquarters is Shonen Jump. The headquarters is the comic. But the derivatives that come, the licensing opportunities that come from these comics, like there's a whole uh, pachinko parlors with Haratetsuo artwork and Fists of the North Star characters all over them. There's whole pachinko parlors with uh, Lupin the Third monkey punch artwork 
you know and that and that's an income stream for the creators it's so different you know it's hard to wrap your mind around this is the biggest uh running series in all of uh shonen jump history there are 200 volumes of this comic uh it'll never come to america because it's about a japanese cop that's this guy right here and uh they say that the the it's just it's so japanese in the sensibility in the conversations in the concerns that it would be like too much effort to translate to people but this is you know i got my my shonen jumps before i got understanding comics uh which explained the very ornate backgrounds mm-hmm. with the cartoony characters but this strip always had such laborious backgrounds and seeing this little douchebag it was so curious to me never seen anything like it yeah, that's interesting. This is funny. 1990. Uh, I might have a volume here. No, I guess I don't. Um, you will see some uh, covers of Shonen Jump. I don't think I bought one. But it'll have a uh, Formula One car uh, on the cover. And there would be like a Formula One car comic strip. Uh, Shonen Jump, like it was doing so well in the 80s that it bought a little ad space. <laughs> on a Formula One car. That's cool. And uh, just for one year, I think I said it cost $100 million for, uh, or maybe it was just $1 million. But uh, it was, and it's so tiny also, man. But they were very, very proud of that. Um, this being the hit, hit making factory with all of the uh, surveys and things, when a strip winds down and is, is completed, there's basically another one ready to go. They say that the the dwindling sales after that 6.5 million with Shonen Jump was because basically in tandem, Dragon Ball and Slam Dunk ended their series. But picking up steam, Nature Reports of Vacuum, Naruto and One Piece were newish at that time, which became, you know, the the the, the next sort of era parents of uh of the of the magazine so there's always something ready to kind of take over do you think these guys ever have a chance to like look at other comics to like look at the competition to like look through an issue and and see how they can improve their stuff compared to the other guys boy they wouldn't have much time not at all right you know you'd look at stuff coming up and then i assume you would maybe you'd get the issues and maybe flip through them and see there is some variety but it is still aimed at you know same same audience same demo yeah so you're not seeing the more extreme variations that are out there for sure right but i don't know man i don't know how look a lot of this stuff doesn't make sense to me when you describe a seven day week of like okay here's 20 pages of this next billion dollar franchise it's inconceivable to me like i think all the time about how they actually write in that right. drawn format and how like they're able to make that coherent because like i need a map you know like i need a writing thing to, to kind of have an idea of like what's the last page look like where am i going right and if you're drawing and writing like they do it's a very different process you know it's almost a different way to think so all of it seems hard for me to conceive ed yeah so when do they read other comics <laughs> i don't know but if they're into it i bet they find a way <laughs> I, uh, I mean, it would take me a month and a half to do one of these weekly installations, you know, if I'm lucky. So our time management is definitely different. Yes, yes. Uh, and, you know, this is before certainly iPhones and things like that, which can uh, suck suck a person's time from them. Okay, so, like, dude, here's here's an example. I think this... Multiple tennis? Yeah, this pick, is... Pickleball? This, this is... This is is this not tennis? No, no, it's tennis. <laughs> I was just joking. It's too tennis manga. And totally different looking. Yeah. 
It makes so much sense though. If you've got one that's a hit, I bet they'd get 20 submissions or ideas for like more tennis. Oh my goodness. Here we go, guys. Akira Toriyama's uh, wow. Dr. Slump showing up here. Always such attractive splashes. Yeah. Once again, I'm going to say like, look at how it comp has to compete with ads. You know, like those ad graphics. Yeah. They're concentrated visual art. Like, of course you're going to, that's going to be an influence. So good. It's really interesting to read things like Milk Kniff interviews and then look at this stuff because it's it's very different than the language we use in American comics to talk about like you're selling books, Dusty Rhodes. Oh yeah. Even on his even on his shorts. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, like like I think these guys view it that way is like this is a commercial venture. If oh, yeah. If their strip is not popular, they're out. Yeah, yeah. Go to Garrow and, and do shit for free. Yeah. If, if, if you're gonna be an artist. And and when I read like some of the old newspaper cartoonists in America, like these are the guys who would have been selling incomparable numbers because of syndication yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. They have the same mentality. Like they are there to sell papers. Totally. And, and you know these guys are here to sell copies of this magazine. Original chic. Wow. Showing up in Kinnikuman. Wow. <laughs> Gooch. I just read that Sheik biography. Very good for the wrestling fans out there if you're interested. <laughs> Hell of a story. What's real interesting to me, because like here's here, I bought I bought uh two volumes from the years nineteen eighty to nineteen ninety-one. That's it's like that's my sweet spot. That's the stuff I love. The closer to the front you are, the bigger the push you're getting by by Shonen Jump. Kinnikuman is never up front. It's like a reliable mid-card. That's comic that's for, for for Shonen Jump, but it never gets gets the whole deal. That that uh, Oof, some more of that baseball action. That Captain Subaba soccer manga that's in so many of these volumes. Is that this? Uh, it's not. Okay. It's not. It's a brunette boy. Um, it might even be. Well, no, this is a little too early. Oh, dude, this is if this is what I think it is. Um, but th there will be episodes of that Captain Subaba where it's him standing there making thinking about the penalty shot he's about to kick and maybe it ends with him kicking it that's awesome <laughs> like there will be a whole episode of that there is one shonen jump series that i think you would fucking love to me it's like og beasts of burden where it's like four or five different dogs in a dog pack and like they got like nut swords and and, and like they do you know they they they, they do missions i always man. want to do a dumb animal team up comic but the problem is it's hard to draw animals. Fuck yeah. The other thing too is this. Uh, this uh, it begins with a K, and it and the, the the full title they call it something like a small piece of it, but the title is a sentence, like a long sentence. It takes you t ten seconds to say the title of this comic, but it's always like one of those reliable mid Carter kind of things that never gets you know too much attention. It never it's never number one. But the guy turns his work in on time. Yeah, it's so funny to think of like a mid-carter yeah. in, in a book like this. When you see these pieces, I often think like, yeah, this is the stuff that you could kind of imagine somebody kind of doing in a short time frame. And I wonder if it's the work, like the early work of a mangaka who hasn't yet established their studio. It's interesting, because I, I feel like the, the cartooning is super attractive. It's just this other style. It's It's much more of a uh, cartoon heavy aesthetic that's that's the thing that you have to negotiate as a uh, mangaka at this level but depending on like what you want in a career you have to come up with the coolest style in the amount of time that you could get it done that when that's I, a big chunk when i was doing uh workshops in, in denmark like i uh 
working with the kids like well, like one of the things that i did like as a series of lessons was like let's distill us uh your favorite novel into a four like a four page comic a nine panel grid a six panel grid mm-hmm. you know like one pager uh to just try to like distill stuff down but also give you super tight deadlines to come up with an attractive look but you got to by getting it in on time you know that's that's a skill to have that's a really good uh i like that as an assignment yeah that's that's real interesting yeah this this um that style thing i think is a bigger deal now than it's ever been in american comics because of the wide variety of of publishers because there aren't house styles like there used to be yeah and so like this is something that we now have to kind of like think about what style we want to draw in what style fits the story what style we can deliver on time as you say right it's uh it's very interesting to consider and and certainly in a book like these where you're seeing 20 stories or something you really see it on display so we got a lot of issues here i got 24 of them that i bought Dude, I brought this shit back from across the world. Isn't that ridiculous, man? It's like I brought 500 pounds of books. Every cover is so fascinating because just the last like three that you've popped in, they're completely different yeah. compositionally, and there's so much happening. This is the one that this has... feels like before there were iPhones, there were there were show and jump. Right. <laughs> Check this out. There's a Doctor Slump in here, and then there is. There is a, a Toriyama one-shot in here. Mm. Boy, that dude was working. Talk about not resting on your laurels. So there's That's about a... beautiful. Yeah, there's about a 40 or 50-pager. And this, this is published in uh, the Manga Theater book. I was going to say, like, I, I recognize that image. And then 15 pages, 17 pages of a, of a Dr. Slump. So, you know, 60-page week for Uncle... Mm. Akira there, man. Show off just a couple more of the covers. And yeah, uh, K- cover. so Kayfabers, I'm, each of these volumes is a complete episode uh, if, in the future. Put something in the comments about what your favorites are. And uh, listen, man, if you uh, need to make some space for your absolute editions of a Swamp Thing or something, and you still have some old uh, Shona jumps, send those babies our way. We'll be custodians of that stuff. I, f- I foresee there being a, uh, a room in the Kayfabe compound, Jim. With full of bookshelves of the manga, books that we can't read. Oh, I was going to say the manga room, the manga lending library. Look at the variety here, again, of these covers. You know, like, complete different styles. Complete different styles. It's but, such a bold thing from a publisher standpoint, because I feel like we've heard many times about publishers that don't want to take chances here. Yeah. This feels like a chance. Right. <laughs> you know, a chance being taken by a book that's selling 5 million copies at the time, something. And the cool thing is, this is 86 so like you could just buy any volume even if it has like this this kind of whack looking shit uh will have a cheap price tag compared to like mm-hmm. something that cool on the cover but that comic is still in here right you know what i mean so you're still getting some the cool shit it's just like you know people judging books by their covers i would be so curious like how they figure out covers right you know for how much they seem to really go after data is like what series are people buying this for what's the most popular the variety of covers really makes me wonder, like, how are they picking this stuff? Totally. Because it sure doesn't feel like a formula. What I do know also is that uh, it's five color covers. Uh, in, in, and I'm not sure when that practice started. It looked like it might have even started right here, like as early as 82. Yeah, that pink looks like a like an extra color. Exactly. That's what it would be. Just like it's the one extra piece to do what they can to stand out on the racks. So it would be CMYK and then it would be a fluorescent 
that they would bring in to uh, the mixture. Look at the background here of like this. I, I do this in Photoshop, right? It's like a mosaic yeah. effect and you can set the size of it and stuff. It's a very computer kind of effect. You know, you think of that's 1985. Right. And it's it's using the same technology that Otomo used on that that uh, sp that splash. By the way, City Hunter, fucking awesome strip. Yeah. And this this is serialized in Raijin comics. That's a really bold graphic choice. You yeah. know, to, to add these, to think that way, to have like those kinds of things in your, it's you know, in your idea box. It's such a different way of thinking because it it goes against everything. Like Chip Kid, this would fry his circuits with all the different typefaces and all the arrangement. It's not so cohesive, <laughs> you know, like. What we know, what we the way the way we sort of study design and, and use design, it's like big focal point and then accents along. So like that's about as far as it gets in terms of like being like us. Because like yeah, sure, there's a focal point, but then there's all this other shit competing, and it's just every square inch is a visual kind of shout. It's hard to look away from any one of these covers. It's true. It's true. We can wax about this all day, man. We got 24 volumes of Shonen Jump up here, man. Two from each year, from 1980 to 1991. Kayfabers, let's hear it in the comments, man. Which one of these are we going to uh, start off with when we start going through these suckers one, one at a time, man? Uh, put some stuff in the comments. And that's code for everybody to hit that 1986 button. Just mash the hell out of that. Yeah. Such a sweet spot <laughs> year for me. like. But yeah. you know what any of these are? 1991, I'm staring at right now, and I'm thinking of Jim Lee X-Men. Totally. You know, like, it's so much fun to think about, like, all of this stuff happening concurrently with, you know, with, with all comics history. Here's an 86er. And, dude, how about, like... See what I'm saying? What a sweet spot. You got you got uh, Hokuto Shinken, uh, also known as a Fist of the North Star, and then followed up by Kanikumen. That's a beautiful tag team. This is Akira Miyashita, who did this comic called uh, Bakudan that, that I loved a whole lot. And Bakudan was only a two Tankobon series, didn't go anywhere. And look at that, Dragon Ball, early Dragon Ball. Like, what a fucking year. Huh? That's what I'm saying. Um, but Akira Miyashita is fucking awesome, too. Uh, there's your Captain Tsubaba series. That's him right there. There are Famicom games with that dude. Anyhow, I digress, man. We could talk about this all day. I'm very excited to talk about this. And and like with the information that we know with what Shonen Jump is, like like how can we use that for ourselves? Is there is there any way to to crack a code? Is it a website that has weekly comics? Like like how do we possibly um exploit that kind of vehicle in America? Is it possible? You know, it's a conversation worth having. Uh, I feel like it's it's been tried several times. But um for our own purposes, there's got to be, there's got to be lessons to learn, but I don't know what they are exactly, man. Yeah, I would love to uh, discuss that further at some point, some future episode, Ed. We can, we can, we can think on this. We can see how comments respond to it. It's such an interesting topic, and uh, yeah, a, a conversation for the future, something to revisit. Okay, favors. Okay, favors, like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell so that we can notify you when new vids are available. And we do have a Patreon. Uh, those who support us at the highest level get all the videos for free, uh, get all the videos before anybody else. And uh, some of them are watching us live stream this recording session at this very moment. But the videos are brought to you by the books that we make. So, Jimmy, tell the people what you have out there forthcoming and on the stands right now. Hulk, Grand Design, Street Angel, Deadliest Girl Alive, The Plain Janes, and coming soon, Street Angel, Princess of Poverty are my latest books. You can also join me on patreon.com slash jimrug to see more of my art. You can see what I'm working on next. You can download out of print zines and mini comics there as well. 
Red Room Crypto Killers, issue number one and two, are being solicited to your comic shop at this very moment. Uh, Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit is the name of the game. I am serializing uh, these forthcoming Red Room comics on my Patreon uh, right now. Three bucks gets you the archive there. More than 300 pages worth of stuff. There are four volumes of Hip Hop Family Tree out in the wild right now, celebrating its 10-year anniversary in 2023. Three volumes, X-Men Grand Design, one volume of WYSIWYG is out there in hardcover format for you to uh, get your hands on. Jimmy, but tell the people what else we have out in the wild. Subscribe. To the channel. Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe e-newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts, merchandise, hats, fanny packs, stickers, and more at our spread shop. That link is under this video. A plethora of ways to uh, support the Cartoonist Kayfabe YouTube channel. Give them those final marching orders, Jimmy, so we can be on our way. Read more manga.